0: the game in the game it's a busy cafe here at cafe vivo in the heart of sydney and you can just easily get distracted it's eagle race radio yeah when we need to be focusing on the podcast at hand and the program now we have directives from the top Rawdon, you and i are just here to basically do we're what the we puppets. can do with the podcast and that's mm. all we can do mm. but um, we can't multitask tom what we're going to ask our listeners to do moving forward is if they can subscribe to the podcast yep By iTunes, I believe. Yep. And if they could be ever so kind as to write a review on itunes then that would be fantastic for our rankings apparently
1: yeah and uh just uh, some more uh, more information is coming hot off the press okay it, apparently emily thinks that win a date with rawdon uh for the best review might be an incentive i, I think that might not oh. be an incentive actually <laughs> i think that might be a we'll get no reviews now tom
0: yes yes mm. well you do have many platforms on the go at the moment so you've got what tinder <laughs> zoosk happen adult matchmaker
1: you want to uh, dig a bigger hole for me? I don't know what you're talking about, Tom.
0: Well, uh, well, I really don't know. All I'm saying is, mate, is that if we do offer you for a date for the best review on iTunes, <laughs> you might save yourself $200 a month in, well, in look, subscriptions. It,
1: it, look, it does. Uh, I
0: essentially work to uh, to pay for all my subscriptions, Tom, That's right. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough being me. Multiple platforms on the go. Yes. Now, you were having a fairly productive block of training for a while there, really? and you've just had a week... Well, 10 days without training. Yes. You've been down in Melbourne for the Arnold and You've whatever been down,
1: else. down with my old mate Arnie down there at the Arnold Classic, yes. Yes.
0: But um, no,
1: a good training block. I am. Uh, I don't want to throw it out there what I'm going to try and uh, pull because yeah. I don't like jinx myself. But, um, and I'm talking about weights, everyone, in yes. the gym. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: because there's all sorts of other things you're out uh, there uh, trying to well, pull at the moment.
1: No thanks to you telling <laughs> everyone I was on all sorts of platforms. Made all these things up, Tom. I mean, your, your <laughs> imagination is wild. But yeah, no good training block. Um, Ten days uh, by design, I guess, but also because of the Armor Classic. So, like you mentioned, I was um, I was down there mm. with the. Uh, it was pretty cool actually. I got my like official certification, I guess, as an international judge now. I've got a little uh, passport that yep. gets gets uh, stamped by uh, Pavel, this uh, the, 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 the head IFBB judge i guess that travels around the world yep.
0: he, he uh, gets his um, stamp of, uh, of Approval. official and with and then, with that comes uh handshakes with greatness yeah yeah and uh, you a handshake on, with I'm, the big I'm, man himself the big
1: man himself yeah on sunday uh, last sunday i think he was awarding the pro card to um a guy that won under nine Is this guy from uh q8 and then after that, yeah, he uh, he came down the line and uh, gave me a handshake, and it was a real, real, you know, I really gave him that. Was hard it? Handshake. Was it like
0: that moment at the start of uh, <laughs> yeah. Predator uh, yeah, with him and Dylan? Yeah, Dylan. Yeah, yeah a little bit like that,
1: but uh, it was it was firm. You could tell it was a, a handshake of authority, that's for sure. But yes. very cool. Anyone who trains is a big fan of Arnie, so. Um, that was probably the highlight of the weekend. Aside from being involved in the on the IFBB and judging and getting to judge, uh, you know, quite a few divisions, it was really exciting. But um, yeah, awesome weekend.
0: Well, that's fascinating, mate. Well done. So we will have a chat about yeah. three key points, three yeah. takeaways that you've got from the Arnold Classic. A little ladder in the program. Yeah, so some of our listeners will find that very interesting. Looking forward to that. While you were down in Melbourne, I was in Auckland, New Zealand, doing a course with Dr. John D. Martini. Oh, Mr.
1: Shaken, Not Stirred. Shaken, Not Stirred. <laughs> a yeah, number of our, um, our, of our listeners will Can be like a,
0: aware of that. And I stuck a microphone in his face, of course. Mm. He's got some interesting thoughts on the mind-body connection and how psychology impacts physiology so we'll have a awesome. chat about that mate we're also going to have a bit of a look into nootropics uh, and yes. uh, smart drugs yeah and this one's coming right from the trenches yeah yeah had some uh, horrific experiences with uh, tinkering around with some pharmaceutical smart drugs
1: pharmaceuticals so yep. we'll,
0: we'll delve into the world of nootropics later in the program as well
1: yep that'll be fascinating mate i'm looking forward to that
0: dan garner is on for his final segment now isn't he getting some uh positive feedback a lot of positive feedback coming in for dan yeah so we'll talk to him he's going to wrap up his nutrition fundamentals Mm. series with a look into fiber water and alcohol okay so the final macros we'll go through that then we've got paul carter part two big man part one got a lot of positive feedback as well. And he's just finished wrapping up talking about the sympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. and three factors in Mm. intensity, volume, and frequency Mm. in training. Mm. And you're about to ask him about hypertrophy. So that'll be part two. He starts about hypertrophy and some really interesting stuff there. Very good. If you guys would like to contact us, you can. Please do. uh, mm, Podcast, iconph.com.au. Yeah, that's tricky. (laughs) I think (laughs) it gets me every time. Okay. Righto, mate. So you've been down in Melbourne and apart from having a raft of competitors that you've prepped, being down there on yeah. show, you were yep. also down there in official capacity to be there judging. You had the, the slick hair and the tie on, all bits mate, and pieces. I did. I did.
1: <laughs> Man, it went down a treat. Yes. I got, I got, I that post got like, I think, three or four hundred likes. It was huge. <laughs> I think it was the best... Uh, <laughs> Most popular post I've put up, the slick hair. The slick Isn't hair. Funny.
0: I like it, mate. So there's a few things that you'll take away now from, I guess, your capacity as a, a judge and a coach. Yeah. yep. The IFBB, in terms of where they're they're moving with their criteria these days, it's interesting. They're moving away from um, any obvious signs of performance-enhancing drug use.
1: Yeah, that's one of the big things. Uh, I think Arnie, he, I mean, he has been quite vocal over the years, but just of, of this year is really quite a, a movement to get away from uh, you know. Any of our listeners might look at the IFBB uh, pro ranks and and see various competitors at at, at times on stage with the you know gut distension and um, you know various things that that look strange for uh, you know a pro athlete on stage and and I guess the 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 IFBB this year more so than than last year anyway. Uh, is really uh, clamping down on any, uh, really any any signs of uh, uh, performance-enhancing drug use. And what I mean by that is uh, the gut distension. So any of the competitors with, with the a bigger uh, distension through the midsection, they are uh, marked accordingly. So they uh, they don't place as well as what they perhaps once would have. Yep. Any signs of uh, Gana mastica, the you know excessive oestrogen due to um, you know too much testosterone and, and other compounds any signs of the gyno master care will will mark a competitor down or or even to the point where they actually do not get scored so um if they're in the lineup and they have obvious signs of of gyno then um they actually um it's at the the judge's discretion if they feel it's obvious or not Mm -hmm. if you do feel it's obvious then we can actually not judge them yep so we, we just won't actually place them we don't even give them last because that's still judging them they're just scratched off the list i see uh, any signs of uh, synthol, which, which is like a, an oil that they inject into different muscle sites to um, enhance the, the muscle, make it uh, appear full, but it's quite a, an obvious, uh, sometimes quite an obvious okay. um, what they've done, so any signs of, of synthol use the the competitors again will not be uh, marked in any way shape or form which I think is an awesome thing so basically yeah it's trying to uh, clean up the the sport, so to speak and um, bring back more aesthetics more of those classic lines and smaller ways V tapers and and really reward um, it's a a, a competition of uh, aesthetics and and those with the superior genetics and great physiques should win because they're they're uh, you know they're just put together better you better, know what that's I mean right, they're, yeah. they're,
0: a physique more in line with what Arnold presented himself it, back it, in the day exactly
1: and and with the likes of Arnie uh, behind the movement and um, you know the classic lines of Frank Zane and these guys back in that era is what they're trying to gravitate towards right. and, um, and I guess it is uh, you mentioned uh, you know what the IFBB is doing like a uh, you know, in 191 countries around the world, so the biggest federation. And um, the big push, uh, the, the IFBB is trying to actually... Uh, I think they have actually gone through the first few hurdles of getting into the Olympic Games, this Olympic sport. So um, mm. I'm not sure what divisions they will be. I think it's more like the, the fitness and the bikini and classic bodybuilding. Some of right. the, the uh, classic bodybuildings where you need to be a certain weight for your height. Yep. Um, again, more aesthetics, more classic lines type thing. But, uh, but really exciting for the IFBB. And... And that was uh, another thing that was discussed, and, um, and okay. the judging criteria um, really sort of clamped down on. But even things like skin quality and um, everything comes into play. So right. if if, if any, anything that looks like a there, bad acne on the back yeah. or something like that, yeah, anything like that, and um, yeah, well, to a degree, yeah, yeah. It, 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 two two competitors, both quite competitive, one with bad skin, you reward it to the one with with, with clear skin. skin. You know? Okay. So, yeah, quite interesting for the IFBB and uh, interesting that they are actually um, going down that route and, mm. and really clamping down on, on certain things you're not... Uh, they don't want to see on stage. You know, right. the, the, the audience don't want to see it, so judging don't want to see it either.
0: So in line with that, mate, as a judge, you looked at a lot of different physiques Yeah, and you, you'd have taken some notes and dotted I's and crossed T's and exactly. it's apparent to you that from a, a base level of genetics and how someone's put together from mm. their, their bone structure upwards and outwards, yep. if they don't have the genetics for the particular division they're in then they're wasting their time
1: pretty much if they want to be competitive and and a classic example of this is um, men's physique you know this this uh class is i guess for our listener the the category where the, the guys wear the board shorts but you know classic lines are so really small ways v taper. but james khan if anyone's been following what, what i do and what we've spoken about over the last uh, year and a half you would have heard me refer to james being an ifb pro physique athlete but Looking like him, small waist, big uh, V taper, great great chest, uh, delts, arms, great condition, good skin, you know, good face, facial features, that type of stuff. Yes. Um, if you do not after this weekend, yeah, like clearly uh, I had this conversation with one of my competitors actually. He was um, uh, ripped, conditioning was probably one of the best up on stage, um, but just the way he's put together, just a, a you know. A, on the beach, fantastic. Like everyone would say, "Wow, look at that guy! He's got a great rig." But yep. up on stage, where you are up against guys that do have that smaller waist, do have that great V taper, that have the right proportions, and their, you know, their arm sizes in relation to their delt size, their chest is full, and it's and it's and the shape's good. You know, this particular client of mine, uh, you know, big arms, which great for most guys. Like, yeah, one one jacked arm, but you know. Yep. Uh, curls get the girls and all that sort of stuff but um but then his arms are a little bit too big for his delts and uh his abdominals uh just the shape of his abs shredded just a weird shape you yep. know they're just when they're up on stage with everyone has great you know six pack type configuration his abs look a little bit of, so when we're looking at the lineup we're essentially looking for where we're crossing out the guys that don't fit the criteria bang 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 yep. you're left with how many left and you whittle those ones down boom 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 check the comparisons, left on the last bottom three, boom, 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 okay, yeah. boom, 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 he's, he's third, he's second and first, you're watching the turns, boom, yep. boom, boom, move around a little bit more, definitely first, definitely second, that's how you you come up yeah, with right. your right, uh, well, when you look score. at it that
0: way, it uh, becomes pretty clear, you know. Pretty clear. No matter what condition you're in, you'll just be <laughs> off the list yeah. if, if you don't fit that criteria. If you don't fit
1: that criteria. So, you know, even like uh, you mentioned clavicle length and, and, you know, if they don't have the broad frame, uh, you, you it's not to say you can't compete and uh, encourage you know those if, if uh, they are uh, competitive to um, to compete, but but if you want to be competitive and and actually you know try and win a men's physique uh, category, then yeah, you really do need to look at your um, just how you put together. Mm-hmm. And coaches that are coaching uh, athletes to get up on stage, you know, I think there's a you know duty of uh, care to actually. Um, to find out what the criteria is talk to a judge or talk to someone who is a pro in 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 that particular or someone that has uh, won in that particular um, division and then uh, see what it's actually required but um it's not to say they can't do it i'm not saying that do it but um if you're doing it with the anticipation of being competitive and going for the win then you really do need to look at the your structure and how you put together Mm -hmm. bodybuilding might be a better option where. You know things like uh, outright condition and uh, muscularity, and um, you know still the posing's in physique as much as his bodybuilding. But you know you can you can you know you might have crazy hamstring, glutes, and, and calves, and. You know, all these things you don't get to see, it. it's just about the torso. Yes. And, and calves come into play for physique as well, but it's just about the upper body. Yep. You've got a whole lower body that can then be into the mix, and that can make you far more competitive. So, you know, for this particular client of mine, we spoke about um, maybe doing bodybuilding for his next okay. show. So that makes not, sense. So, yeah. I think there's pretty much a division for everyone. You just need to um, think about what uh, your genetics and uh, how you structurally put together, what that lends itself towards. Yep. Yeah. Okay, mate. But so that's, that, that was a big takeaway from the from the classic, like
0: yes. You know. And so now you're back. Obviously, you've been feverishly working away <laughs> with all your clients, preparing their reverse dieting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I love those reverse diets. But no, like to be honest, uh, I haven't been. I, I um, it's only been a couple of days, so I give the guys a little bit of downtime. And then some of them will stay on, some of them will move on. Yeah. But I give all of them uh, a guide on what, where the caloric intake, um, rough guide on where the calories should be. Mm. Um, I usually keep it a little tighter this week and next week, um, just basically baseline for both training, and non-training this week, and then um, you know, uh, training day calories, non-training days for next week. But no, no reverse dieting. I I, I really, no. you know, you know yourself. It's go. What we're going to say? Well,
0: I was just going to say, why don't you, if you could explain, actually from your experience, what tends to happen when someone does blow out and when someone doesn't. You've had that many clients and you've seen it and you've, you've yeah. dealt with the aftermath. So yeah. what, what does it come down to? Look,
1: I mean, well, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's just, you know, overindulging. You know, they they yeah. abstain from these, um, you know, from these foods for so long. And then, you know, it's a bit like that um Israel talks about that taste, palate, reward hypothesis. You know, you start eating you know really flavorsome foods and then you want really flavorsome foods all the time and mm. they usually come at a cost they usually cal- you know super calorie dense and you can eat a lot of them you know so uh, you know blowing out is, is just uh, the individual um consuming way too much energy for what they're doing and if they really need a nutrition plan I'll uh I will write them up a nutrition plan but you know, my clients have uh, nutrition plans from when we started to when we finished, and there's a variety of, uh, you know, caloric yeah. intakes there. So, you, so can it's give pretty them simple.
0: A, you can give them a caloric guideline. They yep. can sift back through, find Sip those calories. Sift back through if and, they need
1: to. But, yep. you know, the whole process when I'm working with them, it's an education in itself, and it's quite transparent. I explain why we're doing everything. So, you know, I I can tell you that, that, that my clients, you know, are, are far more educated in the, in uh, you know the nutritional basics or the fundamentals of nutrition when they finished with me before when they started uh, generally speaking so yeah it's just a matter of them uh, taking responsibility for what they put in their mouth you know and if you put a far more energy in for what you're actually uh, doing day to day you're going to put on body fat you know and the reality is, in a you know, in a twenty-four hour period, if you really are talented and uh, and look, I've fallen into that uh, talented bracket myself post comp, but if you really are uh, you know talented, you can consume a, a horrific Huge. amount of calories that <laughs> you can legitimately put you know fat on in a two or three day period. You know, it might be a bit of a a um, fallacy to, to to think that you. You can't put uh, or do much damage in a couple of days, but I can assure you that you can undo. You know, you might be down five or six percent on stage, and you can go up to you know ten or uh, twelve percent in a matter of a couple of days. Mm, Uh, Literally
0: undoing six to eight weeks worth of work. Yeah,
1: in legitimately two days. Like it's, uh, you know, the excess excess calories don't just disappear. You know, they get stored in those tissues. So, yeah, I really uh, hit home with. uh, Take responsibility. Have a couple of days downtime, but even in that couple of days, they um, they go too crazy, and then uh, they just take ownership of what they're actually doing. And mm. um, yeah, you know, if they're still working with me, we go into the next phase of uh, training and programming and move forward from there. Yep.
0: Well, what we've just been talking about is actually quite relevant to uh, what we'll hear from Dr. Martini in just a moment, but when I was over at this course, like I said, I had a chance to have a bit of a chat with him, and the interview was basically about psychology and how that impacts the physiology of the human, and we went through a raft of different topics, brain chemistry and neurotransmitters, cellular health and inflammation, environmental toxicity, nutrient density of modern foods or or lack thereof, stress, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anabolic versus catabolic, genetics versus epigenetics. There's Mm -hmm. pretty much Mm -hmm. no subject you can't ask him that he won't have a detailed answer on. Okay. Um, And this was over in New Zealand, yeah? This was in New Zealand. And the relevance for this today is what uh, we'll hear from him in a moment. He's basically talking about the symptomology that the, the body has and how to interpret that and that nothing's really bad. It's there to give you feedback about what you're doing to yourself very and good. how to manage it. And he'll, uh, he'll list a, a um, variety of foods at the start, which will probably be very relevant to a lot of those people who have just finished a comp and have um, okay. pigged themselves out. It's almost like, Roden, he's describing one of your cheat meals.
2: Oh, right. There's a thing called disease of the meaning, and every symptom in the body is actually meaningful, but we don't interpret it that way. And I have to go off on a tangent to do that. Let's say you went out and you ate a pizza. And then you have a steak. And after that, you have a bowl of spaghetti. And after that, a cheesecake. And after that, a bowl of prunes. And after that, you have a, a jar of peanut butter. And after that, you have 10 hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> and after that, you eat uh, stewed spinach. And then a loaf of bread, okay? And you're stuffed, you can't breathe. And you go to bed, fall asleep, because your brain got all the blood taken down to the digestive problems. You wake up and you've got puffy eyes, nasal congestion, headache, gas, bloat, Stomach ache, stomach cramps, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea—you got everything. You wake up like that. Now you go to the medical doctor, and he says, "Well, you need an antacid, an antihistamine, an anti-headache analgesic. You need an anti-diuretic, an anti-poop system." Uh, you, he gives you twelve medications for all the symptoms because the model is get rid of symptoms. It's you, you're here to feel good. Now you go to a naturopath. That same condition, or, or somebody that's applied physiologist and understands physiology, he's going to ask a history or she's going to ask a history and they're going to say, you picked out. You're not governing. Your symptoms are all trying to get you to live with governance. So the symptoms are not bad. The symptoms are feedbacks to try to get you to live wisely. So you're not living to eat, you're eating to live. If you interpret the body that way and the symptoms that way wisely, You'll get more out of your physiology and you'll learn to subtly, intuitively listen to those physiological responses to guide you to maximize your performance on life. When you're living for a purpose and you have something really meaningful to you that you're looking forward to do, you are more likely to do that. So if you know you have a major performance to do, you're very disciplined. You have self-governance, you can see your outcome, you're strategized, but if you have nothing going on, no meaning in your life, you're very likely to go and overeat and blow it and not have any discipline so it's so important to fill your day with high priority actions that are meaningful if you want to maximize your performance out of physiology and it's also wise to make sure that if you're in a situation like that that you find meaning in it because you'll get the message quicker and you're less likely to duplicate the behavior that got you in the problem
0: so mate basically and we spoke about this pre-show and we can use the example of someone prepping for a competition they have this specific goal that they're working towards And that's their purpose Mm. for the moment. And then everything that they do in their day is aligned with that mission. Mm. And so when you're doing that, and even at a higher level, and this is what Martini's whole point is, is that if you have a a higher vision for your life and you're living in congruency with that on a daily basis. Word of the day. The the psychology behind that has a range of downflowing physiological benefits. Mm. Uh, Your brain chemistry is better. Your cellular health is better. It's actually got anti-aging properties. You have less stress. You have better digestion and obviously better body composition back thereafter. Mm. Um, And we use the example of someone like James Cant. So not only does he obviously prep specifically for each competition that he does, but no matter what happens in that show, he gets off stage and then he's looking to the next one to the next thing and he's got his mission is not the show individually he has a higher purpose of yeah. being a professional bodybuilder yeah right and that's the difference between living in congruency with that as opposed to just prepping for a single show to, yeah. for the purpose of getting me in shape yeah that's when thereafter the immediate goal is done mm. and that vision slips away and then all those other governing factors that control you and your your purpose in life start to slip away because you've lost that, that purpose so Having that higher vision mm, mm. is uh, is what's really important to, to him.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, it, and we we talk about uh, uh, James being the probably the most positive client I've had. And, yes, and uh, we've alluded to that before. And and I definitely agree with uh, something that you said that uh, I try and instill in my my clientele. I mean, it is a little easier for these guys and girls because they do actually have that that end goal. A little harder for General Pop when they don't. Um, but that's why we need to create those create goals the goal start, for them. Yes. Start, but um, you can see this all the time. Like, there's no reason why an individual shouldn't be progressing when their training's on point, their nutrition's good. You know, they're sleeping well. Uh, their uh, stress levels are being managed. Uh, their digestion's good. There's no real um, reason why they shouldn't be progressing, other than uh, perhaps the. That um, you know that that ultimate goal is not a priority for them, you know. And although when uh when you initially you know analyze what they're doing and and there's like I said there's there's ticks all the way through there. If you were to dig a little deeper, you probably find that the nutrition's not quite so good. There's times when you know that they they do the meal regularity is out. Uh, yes. You know they don't get their meals in on time. Anymore and the, the stress levels are actually quite a bit higher than what they're actually reporting. Yes. And then their sleep is good in general when they get the hour's sleep, but most of the time it's it's a little bit shorter because they're just exactly, at work. And
0: and whilst they'll swear black and blue yeah. that they're, they're paying you to do this and their whole purpose is to do this, mm. their actions in their life would demonstrate otherwise. Exactly. Because they, they have got to bed late and they did miss that meal and they didn't prep here and they didn't do that. Exactly. And th- those individuals that you sort of...
1: You can generally tell, you know, you can just, you can just tell that there's something missing, you know, and, and they, and those little things are missed. Um, you know, eyes aren't dotted, T's aren't crossed. Like you said, uh, you alluded to the fact that the brain chemistry, you know, uh, digestion, body composition, all yes. these things are influenced if uh, we have that that positive mindset and Mm. this this belief on this um, ultimate goal that we're striving towards exactly and and everything you do day to day is geared towards
0: it is geared towards that and it is hard for us to sort of put it into a terms that you you can grasp because it's almost intangible but there is clearly a link you cannot have a psychology without some sort of physiological downflow something mm. happens in the brain chemicals fire off mm. things happen and it can impact even on a cellular level how well the, a body will respond to the training that it's undergoing
1: yeah and, and you know i can speak from personal experience and um you know i've done a couple of shows and and one uh you know 2007 i jumped up on stage one novice class which was great and then 2008 i tried to do uh, the same thing and i think at that point in time i was quite busy at work and I was doing all dotting I's crossing T's but I, I didn't really uh, I don't know what uh, the mindset probably wasn't um, uh, wasn't as like it was the year prior yep and I did everything started doing more more cardio and uh, reduced calories more All the the, the classical uh, ways that you would uh, you know if you're in a plateau or things aren't progressing you would you know manically try and uh, yeah. get yourself over the line but for whatever reason similar length prep just didn't happen didn't and, happen um, and I really, at some point in that prep, I, I, I think that end goal, I, I lost sight of it. And it was just just training. And um, I didn't really think I was going to present a better physique. And mm. for whatever the reason is, I, I, I wasn't completely sold then. So I didn't actually, I saw the, co- the guy that I was um, uh, loosely getting coached by. And he said, look, I don't think you're going to be ready in time. I don't think you're going to be better than last time. You can compete if you want. But I would be more likely to do a show in, uh, not a full year, but in six months' time. You know, so I... Um, I went, right, okay, and then refocused, and and then it was never had anything so 110% focused on that competition that was coming out. I gave it absolutely everything, and, um, you know, I won my division, and won the overall, and, you know, and that was amazing, and I achieved that. But it was the only thing that I was focused on, and and um, everything I had done, every little thing I was doing day to day, getting to bed, getting that meal in, getting that mm. that taking that supplement, whatever it was, you know, eyes dotted t's, every session, every rep, everything was geared towards that, and the physiology followed. And mm. you know, I got, and that was you know, MBA, you know, natural show, using no uh, no uh, enhancement whatsoever. So. Yeah, I mean, that firsthand experience, I can, I can tell you that, that when you do have that and you are legitimately uh, committed to that end goal, mm. the physiology definitely um, uh, sees it through because I have tried since yep. and, you know, uh, with not as much success as what I did that time when mm. it was the only thing I was focused on.
0: I've never heard you talk about it like that, mate. Yeah, it was uh, next level though. Smart drugs, Rawdon. Well, you know, how smart are they?
1: Well, mate, we need lots of them on this program. (laughs) Yes. We're pumped full of smart drugs before we
0: go to air. Now, Charles Walker Mm. was on... Texas Ranger. Forget what episode he was on, but he was in here, and he's got quite a well-versed medical science background. And I was talking to him, this was a few months back, actually, before Christmas, Mm. and he had that little stint at Harvard, and he was over there at Harvard uh, furthering his studies, And all all the rage amongst the students were these smart drugs and nootropics. We've spoken about nootropics a little bit from time to time on the program, usually in the context of some sort of cognitive enhancement pre-workout, particularly for strength training workouts. However, these drugs are, or, or supplements have been far more widely used in academic circles, mm. uh, even by executives and entrepreneurs who have, you know, big workloads and creative thinking demands. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this quite an interesting subculture of people taking pharmaceuticals mm. to enhance memory and cognitive function. And mm. it's like the the movie Limitless. Where have, you, have you seen that? Where he gets the I think I have. the pill, which enables him to access, you know, 100% of his brain power yep, and yep. all that kind of stuff. Yep.
1: So you thought you were trying. So
0: yeah, Charlie said, you know, try this little thing. It's called modafinil. He said, "Here's a link to a website. Order yourself some of those. Mate, you'll be clear. You'll be focused. You'll, yep. be, you'll be calm. You know, all you want to do sounds is, awesome, is sit down and do your work." And I thought, "Wow, uh. mate, this sounds wonderful." Mate, okay, you got a couple. Yeah, take exactly. Them over. I'll take some too. So, uh, I ordered it, and in typical uh. Rawdon and Dubois fashion. Yep. In um, the trenches. Took a full balls deep 200 milligram dose at about mm-hmm. 10 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then went and got myself an extra large triple shot coffee. Good. Without doing any Googling or research. Nah. Before, I just took Charles's word yeah. for it. Yep, boom, down the hatch. Gospel. There, there we go. Turns out, modafinil is a, a pharmaceutical prescribed for people with narcolepsy yeah
1: which I suffered from
0: for quite some time back (laughs) at the CHPC often falling asleep (laughs) at my desk yes talking to you intermittent micro sleeping and that legitimately when I was talking to you I fell asleep asleep. we were having a podcast many once, and your eyes (laughs) just went red and you fell asleep and then you said did you just fall asleep I'm like no of course I didn't so anyway people who have narcolepsy you know fall asleep at the wheel Mm. so they need to be obviously kept kept awake so this modafinil for whatever reason and they still don't actually know exactly what pathway it works on in the brain Mm -hmm. but it keeps these people alert and awake when used by someone who doesn't have narcolepsy and there are all sorts of reports over the internet about people who take this this drug and all of a sudden for the next 12 hours, all I want to do is work and study and memory and create and build things. And it just sounds amazing Uh for me. It was one of the more horrific experiences of my life. So (laughs) I took the modafinil, and then about an hour or so later, I was feeling quite focused. Yeah, yeah. but but I'd get focused on one task really in depth for 20 minutes. Mm. Then I'd get distracted by something, and then I'd be really focused on that for 20 minutes. Yep, and that sort of cycle happened for a while. And then the sounds very unproductive, yeah, and then the anxiety kicked in. Yeah. And it was horrific, like no appetite, churning stomach, yep. jaw was tense, physically jittery and shaking mm-hmm. and, and couldn't get any relaxation at all. Mm-hmm. Then I started Googling and think, well, what have I got myself into here? Yep. Turns out my has a fifteen hour half-life. Yep. yep. So if I took it at ten A. M. At 1 a.m. in the morning, there's still 100 milligrams of modafinil in my bloodstream. Yep. So there was no sleep at all. It was the most horrific night in bed, mm. tossing mm. and turning, mm. anxious. I woke mm. up the next morning, no appetite, digestive distress. <laughs> you know, oh. Like it was, it Boom. was I, bombs away. <laughs> I just, yeah. you know, horrible. I wanted to escape it, and I couldn't. Uh, I contacted Charles and he said, mate, wow, wow, there's very rare, very some <laughs> no, people. I, ha- to tell I have you, heard of this happening before, <laughs> but only very rarely. Uh, okay. So, okay, thanks, mate. Yeah, um, thanks for that one. So, word okay, of warning. Although, but for, for him, for someone, and it's very interesting because I have since read that for people with Charles's kind of brain chemistry, Mm. you know, they are all students. They are people who are into studying and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and these drugs work on these people in a certain way. I'm sure if you were to take it, you're a little bit Uh, prone to anxiety like I am. Yeah, I'd be really... It'd be a horrible experience for you as well. Yeah. But he did then say, okay, mate, well, once you've got that out of your system, why don't you try some Pramiracetam? Yep. We had spoken about Aniracetam on an earlier episode. Pramiracetam is the most potent of the racetam family. Yep. So I took some of that with some tyrosine mm-hmm. and that was everything that Modafinil should have been that wasn't. Right. Calm, focused, really effective, creative thinking. And think uh, so. and I've been taking that on a regular basis. I take it first thing in the morning. So there's no anxiety, productivity's been high. Yeah. And I've given it to a few clients as well and get some really positive feedback about Pramaracetam and tyrosine okay. as well.
1: So the the consensus with with that combo generally, um, obviously your dotted eyes cross T's with the research. Yeah, generally well uh, well tolerated with those.
0: Yes, I mean these aren't pharmaceuticals. You know, the pramiracetam essentially modulates transmitter sites for acetylcholine. Okay. Uh, So that neurotransmitter becomes more prominent in the brain.
1: Creativity, memory retention, that type of stuff. Exactly.
0: And the tyrosine is like a... um, Helps the production of neurotransmitters in general. So it increases the well of neurotransmitters from which you can draw the uh, acetylcholine from. And that's tyrosine, it's just an amino acid. Yep. The dosages that I take, the pramaracetam. Only very small. 200 to 500 milligrams per day. Okay. So just the tiny bit on an end of a teaspoon. The tyrosine, one to five grams. Digging about a teaspoon. Okay. And that's uh, more than enough to uh, enhance cognitive function quite effectively.
1: Very good, very good. I mean, I'll give you my uh, take on... Um, I mean, I did have a look at the... Modafinil? Mad- Modafinil, yes. Modafinil. And um, Menno henselman's uh, a guy that we reference uh, on the podcast from time to time. He in his uh, PT course he ran through supplements that he likes to use and he did actually review that one as a a nootropic and, and said that it is uh, surprisingly well tolerated and the safety uh, is, is, is quite good across the board
0: Yes, but there obviously is um, in your case an exception mm. um, so for our uh, listener yeah, I know, think the dosage was very high as well um, yeah. one of the guys that I've spoken to about it who's uh, works closely with Nelson Virgil who we've had on the okay. show yep. Nelson's used Modafinil as well but only a 50 milligram dose Ah, okay. so 200 milligrams is a real shock to the especially system especially the Yeah, get in there yes. and get the eye twitch going and yeah. hope for the best <laughs> right. 15 hours later that's right if a little bit's good more has got to be better yeah 100% 100
1: percent. but uh, yeah, for me, for my money, um, even even caffeine for me, uh, pre-training doesn't really go that well like I with the uh, pre-workouts, I have uh, in the past taken a lot of pre-workouts. so yep. back with the with the jacked three d the the one with the the juicy what is it uh, DMWA yeah, the good stuff and those pre-workouts. Even back then, it, I find it just um, sort of overstimulates myself and I, and I don't really get in the zone for training. For me, uh, it's got to be quite an go- organic process where the nervous system takes its time to, to, to get up to capacity, then I'll train. And so for me, mm. zero stimulants when I, when I train or, or, or caffeine not too close for training. But, uh, but I know others that, that do r- respond very well with, with high-dose caffeine. I know Charles, uh, who referenced uh, the big CP, on the program and um, I know he's a massive fan of uh, high-dose caffeine pre-training and the, the research is there to back it up too there's a ton of quality research to, to um, uh, lean towards caffeine supplementation before certainly before neural work um, but before training uh, increasing training drive and, and, and performance and everything else but yes. for me it, it just doesn't work man I think the the the, uh, the effort of training is, is, is stimulation enough in itself and anything uh, above and beyond uh, just existing uh, takes me out of that zone and mm. um,
0: compromises the training to the point where the workouts are crap. So yeah, for me, no stimulants whatsoever. Very good. So there you go. Feel free to um, try the Pramaracetam and Tyrosine combination taken on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. 200 milligrams of Pramiracetam, one to five grams of Tyrosine. Nice. If you're really ballsy, have a crack at the modafinil but maybe start with <laughs> be warned yeah 50 milligrams yep that's just like a quarter of a tablet careful with the caffeine with that as well because they're quite synergistic yep and look let us know how you go <laughs> podcast at iconph.com.au very good milka 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 here we are again at the icon performance health podcast with rawdon and tom and we've got dan garner strength coach and nutrition specialist on the line with us to wrap up this first little uh, educational platform that we're trying to give you guys on uh, nutrition. We've been through an overview of nutrition. We've Mm -hmm. gone through the importance of protein, what it does, how to use it, carbs, what it is, how to Mm -hmm. use it. Mm -hmm. We've been through the fats. Very good take-home message in the fat segment. Good. (laughs) So we're just going to square things away with a bit of a wrap-up um, we're going to have a quick look at fiber and then talk about water and yeah. the other macronutrient, alcohol. Yeah, w- Water would be great to sort of let our listener know, we sort of harp on that, um,
1: you know, get you two to three liters a day. Blah, but blah, like, blah. Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. But uh, I know from a, a strength training perspective, I'm pretty sure Dan will um, agree that uh, dehydration certainly detracts mm. from performance. Mm traction performance obviously less muscle mass less disruption
0: homeostasis and then no gains okay Dan welcome back to the show and uh, just quickly where can our listeners find you
3: I try to keep a good online presence over at Dan Garter strength coach and nutrition specialist on Facebook
0: okay Excellent. great okay quick little overview on fiber Dan people assume that uh, they take fiber just to keep healthy bowel Regular. movements happening but there's a, a bit more to play than just that
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, Fiber is going to help speed up digestion and have a thicker stool, so your bowel movements are a lot more smooth and efficient, which is important. That's actually one of the number one complaints that I get in working in nutrition is, that people are constipated, and fiber plays plays a huge role in that. And actually, another thing that we're talking about today with water, that plays another huge role in that. Typically, correcting somebody's fiber intake and their water intake play huge dividends towards constipation issues. There's different types of fiber out there, such as insoluble fiber and soluble fiber. And the important thing to note with fibers is that many people consider them negative calories, but they're not. So once a fiber acts like as a brush through the GI tract, so you're yes. helping clear the GI tract, you're helping get rid of debris and leftover stuff that is in there and helping cleanse the GI tract. But what happens to fiber is in the large intestine or in the colon, it's converted to a short chain fatty acid and is actually the colon's preferred fuel source to do what it needs to do and also to maintain a healthy gut bacteria within the colon. And this results in about two calories per gram. So it's not a nothing Per, per gram
0: but it's
1: about two calories okay okay we
0: call that the uh the gut biome on the podcast <laughs> Bio.
1: Like
2: downstairs there okay, okay
0: but so we basically it does have a caloric value but we needn't necessarily get too anal with factoring mm. that into macros overall it's
3: an extra yeah. 20 calories yeah. tom
1: yeah 20 calories might yeah. be the
0: difference yes
1: Yeah,
3: it's not a big deal to really try and factor those calories in. Um, As far as intake goes, the American Dietetic Association has set a a good baseline at 10 to 15 grams per thousand calories in the diet. And that's definitely a recommendation that I can stand behind.
0: All right, no dramas. Hydration. You know, a lot of people would leave us to believe that we're all walking around with a, a level of dehydration these days
3: and that we probably don't drink as much water as we possibly should. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's That's actually very few people drink as much water as they should. And the recommendations out there are also kind of pretty general, I would say, is the right. best way to put it. Say, like, have six glasses of water per day. or And it doesn't account um, your activity level or your size or whatever else is Outdoors, going on. And a great indicator that I like to use for water... Um, intake per day not including exercise is about um, an ounce per half a pound of weight that you have so for example if you're 200 pounds you would have 100 ounces of water per day as your minimum intake so take your weight in pounds chop it in half and add ounces leader conversion for our listener <laughs> the liter conversion, you All divide right. thirty-two, 100 by 32 would be about 3.1 liters. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. 3.1, yes. For yes. an average 200-pounder who isn't training that day. Yep. Okay. Right. I okay.
1: uh, will chime in there. And uh, uh, we actually had uh, Juan Carlos, our listener, remember, and one of his key things that he does uh, initially keeps things really simple. He just gets the hydration of the individual up because – uh, like you, I think he agrees most people you know are walking around dehydrated to some degree. So one of his first uh, simple things that he does gets some training, but he puts their hydration uh, up considerably.
3: Yeah, that's something that's really important to do. And that's something that I ask right away. It's right in my questionnaire before we even start. How much water are you drinking every day? Um, It's something that's underrated, kind of like how sleep's underrated. Things don't really, people don't really think about your water intake. People don't really think about sleep, but those two components are absolutely massive. I mean, our bodies are 70% water for a reason. It's involved in absolutely everything from a health and performance standpoint. And really, when we're on the topic of performance, just a half a percent loss in body water will increase your cardiac output so you're going to have more stress on the heart with just a half a percent loss in body water a one percent loss in body water is going to decrease your aerobic endurance a three percent loss in body water reduces muscular endurance so this is if you this is important if you're doing sets of like say 15 or 20. a four percent loss in body water reduced muscle strength reduce motor skills, and also increases your heat cramps. So these are small numbers with big implications here. Mm -hmm. Moving up, we have a 5% loss in body water, which can result in heat exhaustion, cramping, fatigue, and reduce mental capacity so you start getting stupid around this point. Huh. A 6% loss is going to result in physical exhaustion, heat stroke or coma and going above anywhere from 10 to 20 can be a, a result in death. Yeah. So it does not take a like you don't have to lose half of your body water in order to create serious problems. And in fact, when it comes to performance, you need to lose less than 1% of your body water to start seeing a problem. And that's really important to care about and it's important to make sure that you get your hydration in check pre during and post-workout because it's water that's helping deliver and transport these nutrients as well and the small intestine can only maximally absorb one quart of water per hour so we need to make sure that we're having the proper amount of nutrients pre during and post training to maximize the ultimate absorption of water into the muscle cell Okay. okay You mentioned
1: the the one quart uh, uh, absorption of, of water per hour. What um, busy at work? Forgot to drink, you know, on the tools, whatever. Uh, oh, it's time to train. Haven't really drank much water today. Do I do I uh, tra- uh, not train or? Do I guzzle down a couple of liters, but then that's not really gonna have a a significant impact in a short period of time? Like, is it you really do have to dot your I's, cross your T's with your water consumption uh, daily, um, and there's no quick fix once you're sort of got that one or 2% dehydration?
3: Yeah, there's a couple of things to say. So yes, you should, because it's easy to do. So I, I can't see why somebody couldn't do that. Yeah. But another thing is you're probably not losing that much water at work. Anyways, for the majority right. of the listeners here, right, you're probably probably right, not right. losing a ton. So as long as you're getting in kind of like your daily intake, like we talked about before, yep. then um, that is then that's what's ultimately important. But what's really important as far as performance is your hydration pre, during and post-workout and okay. also your electrolyte status of the body as well. Yeah,
0: okay. So on the workout thing, Dan, we spoke about in our carbohydrate section that you know, you like to have high GI carbohydrates to fuel muscles and the nervous system while you're training. So you have you know 50 grams of high GI sugar while you're training. Do you need a certain amount of water with that sugar to enhance, a- absorb everything properly?
3: Yes, you do actually. So to minimize GI distress, you want a liquid mix coming in the form of a 6 to 8% solution, and no more. So what this means is, quick math here, the average water bottle is 500 milliliters, and if we multiply that by 8%, that's 40 grams. So if you're having a bottle of water, the maximum amount of carbohydrates you can put in that bottle of water is 40 grams. So you want 8% or less, ideally 6 to 8% solution for maximal transport of water and electrolytes and carbohydrates and amino acids to the muscle cell during training. When you right. start going above 8% is when you start running into GI distress, GI backup and ultimately decreased hydration during exercise. Okay, 6
1: to 8%, uh, just for our listener, litre of water, we could
0: have 60 to 80 grams of of, uh, carbohydrates, correct?
1: Yeah, and that
3: would get through, yes. Right, okay.
0: Okay. So if you're having then excess water on top of that, that doesn't affect the process negatively?
3: No, it doesn't affect the process negatively. And there's also important things to point out in this topic as well because there's different transporters within the body. So if we're taking only glucose during training, that's gonna have an uptake rate of one gram per minute or 60 grams per hour, if you do the math. Mm -hmm. But glucose utilizes the sodium-dependent glucose type 1 transporter in the small intestine. That's what's extracting that and transporting it to the muscle cell. But fructose uses glut 5 to get itself out of the small intestine. So if we use a combination of different types of sugars, it can be the difference of absorbing 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour to aid in hydration, and over 75 grams per hour has been seen in research by using multiple sources. So with different sources of carbohydrates, you're utilizing different small intestine and trans- transporters, which ultimately results in greater fuel for your muscles and better hydration for your entire body.
1: Okay. Okay. Interesting. So- You mentioned fructose there, was that one of the ones that you said that uses a different transporter? Yes, sir. Uh, But fructose, no good for skeletal muscle, for glycogen, uh, liver glycogen synthesis there, yeah?
3: No, not, not so much for glycogen synthesis within the muscle, but it is for liver glycogen synthesis. And we use liver glycogen during training. And something that's underrated within the industry is that when the liver has full glycogen status, it sets off a whole body anabolic stimulus. So it's like the body saying, okay, the organs are well fed, right. I give you permission in order to grow muscle mass. It's like uh. a stimulus like that. So liver glycogen replenishment is important post-workout, not just because we use it during while we train, but because it helps the body stay in an anabolic state. Mm-hmm. So with fructose, not only are we getting more carbs, Per hour during training, but we're getting more carbs per hour for the post-workout glycogen replenishment, and we're getting a more complete glycogen replenishment in both the skeletal muscle and in the liver.
1: Okay, okay so that's a compelling argument to have some uh, fruit, some uh, fruit, uh, yeah. some fruit uh, certainly uh, in that uh, post-training glycogen resynthesis period. Mm.
3: Yeah, it's it's it, there's really no reason not to have it. People will say that fructose blunts insulin, but it doesn't completely blunt insulin, and insulin is only needed in very small concentrations in order to completely maximize its yeah, anabolic yeah, yeah. potential. Yeah, so yeah. you do not need tons of insulin post workout in order to maximize its anabolic potential. Fructose can totally be present and you're getting the maximum muscle protein synthesis response while getting total body muscle glycogen.
0: Okay, okay all right. Okay alright are we happy with uh, water yep they're yeah. all the key fundamentals there good ok so then if we move on to the other macronutrient yeah um, this is a dodgy one that all my clients try to uh, try and get around yeah. it in some way but uh, yeah. alcohol
1: so yeah we know that it's obviously
0: I... it's very calorie dense and yeah, we know that sure. the,
1: obviously yeah. the the resveratrol in the, the red wine has it's benefit what, what's what's the geo on um, on alcohol mate What's what's your take on that
3: well, first of all, if you're working with Australian clients, you have to understand alcohol metabolism. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> That's something that is that is a must in a coach's uh-huh. handbook, uh-huh. if he's going to be working with Australian clients. Yeah. But uh, having said that, man, if I had a nickel every time somebody asked me, if can I have alcohol while I'm on this diet? Mm-hmm. And if so... How much should I have? Mm. You know, mm. that, that, that gets asked to every single coach everywhere. Okay. And, you know, let, let's be fair, right? Let, let's point out what benefits alcohol has seen in the data before we talk about the negatives. Sure. Okay. People who consume one alcoholic drink daily or drink only every so often live as long as their counterparts who don't drink. So that's, that's something that's notable there. Okay, so we can okay. get away
1: with it a little bit. A cool. sneaky
3: one. Yep. I don't know what Australians classify as a little bit, though. So. Uh, <laughs> how, how long is that piece, piece of, of string, string <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's what I ask. Yeah. Uh, alcohol can also have a calming effect in some people, which can decrease stress levels. So if you have somebody who's super stressed out, and that's actually cost versus benefit. So although alcohol isn't inherently healthy, it's probably going to be healthier for that person to take them out of that stressful environment yep. okay um, alcohol in moderation has been shown to lower blood pressure both by relaxing the visual the individual but also thinning the blood alcohol does thin blood it's one reason why bodybuilders take it before stage to get veiny mm-hmm. yep. um like rodden mentioned there's resveratrol and red wine which promote heart health and antioxidant availability okay. so that's that's a lot of that's that's not um only crap on alcohol yeah. but there, there are some benefits to go with it and when you're taking on clients you can't tell them to never drink ever it mm. just it, it won't work it's not sustainable and um, it's not enjoyable well the you'd think that Dan like, but
1: you know I lay down the iron fist when they come and work with me I can it's uh, probably why they don't hang around too long yeah, Tom but yeah. anyway
3: oh, no, you're dropping the hammer on people right? oh, no yeah, fun
1: man. no no oh, fun it's no the fun, fun police yeah <laughs>
3: yeah you, you've got a reason to, because when it comes to the data on alcohol promoting bad things, I yeah. mean, we got, we got more bads than we do good. <laughs> right. We've got uh, dehydration for sure, mm-hmm. which is negatively playing against, like remember the percentages that I was talking about <laughs> earlier? It doesn't yeah. take a lot in order to get a negative impact on the body mm-hmm. and the brain. And the dehydration is also going to be a source of decreased glycogen. Replenishment as well, because you need three to four grams of water to go along with the glycogen that you're storing in your body. So Uh, if you're having alcohol close to post-workout, then that's an issue. Um, There's an inhibition of protein synthesis. So alcohol will inhibit muscle growth. It does do that. Um, It will also inhibit the absorption of vitamins and minerals while simultaneously depleting vitamins and minerals as well. It's a central nervous system depressant. It's toxic to your liver. It decreases your sleep quality if you have it within four hours of bedtime. It alters your endocrine and immune function. And it also decreases your leptin. So there's a lot of negatives that go along with alcohol does the
1: uh did i see the the, the beer and elevates estrogen or elevates shbg or, or lowers testosterone was that something floating around i i don't pay much attention to the alcohol side of things but is there beer or some some negative specifically with beer
3: yeah, beer is specifically estrogenic. So, in huh. comparison to other alcoholic beverages, it increases estrogen more so. Okay. Okay. And this is something that we're not typically after, right? We want to maximize testosterone. We really don't want to maximize yeah. estrogen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so,
0: out of all the the choices available to an alcohol drinker, would we are we saying that red wine is probably the the best bet?
3: Yeah, red wine is will be your best bet with a close second vodka. Vodka has actually been very mm. neutral. So okay. it's, uh, it's, it's neutral, but red wine gets the edge because it has that fairly same neutrality, but with the resveratrol. Mm, okay.
0: okay. Now, what's alcohol? It's uh, seven calories per gram. Seven, yeah. So let's just play devil's advocate. Okay. Let's say that we're factoring in a certain amount of alcohol into somebody's allotted calories for the day when they consume alcohol with another meal is it purely the seven grams of the alcohol that they're getting or is there like a double whammy with the way the body has to then process alcohol
3: and get rid of it and how it will then store other nutrients there is a double whammy in a sense right so at the end of the day energy balance is energy balance so if you're in a hypocaloric state, even if you drank that day, you're going to lose weight. That's still, yeah. at the end of the day, always the king. Okay. But there is a type of uh, double whammy there, like you were saying, because your body actually has to metabolize alcohol before it's going to metabolize anything else. Yeah. So until that alcohol is out of your body, the nutrients that you're taking in have much higher susceptibility to being stored as fat because your body's operating off of alcohol. Uh, and, then, and there
1: lies the... Uh, the kebab at 2 a.m. straight to the hips Tom yeah you know yes
3: (laughs) that's a problem with the post bar eating Um, what's recommended generally is if you're going to drink that day I I guess Ron's clients don't have to listen to this next part but if you're gonna drink that day take it take it out of your carbohydrates so don't take it out of your proteins don't take it out of your fats okay replace the calories from your carbohydrates earlier in the day with the alcohol that you're gonna have and drink sensibly yeah yeah i mean that's
1: okay. the thing as well like <laughs> you give the client uh you know you can only have four four uh glasses of wine you know they're out of the cans as if when you get that fourth one down the gullet you're not gonna uh, another couple and then yeah. it's uh it's tears tom Ends yeah. in tears. <laughs> you know kebab at 2 a.m yeah oh, for sure cool. so tell me like uh i don't mind uh if you don't mind answering with your clientele that is do you obviously different for mine they're contacting me just to get it shredded for stage uh you know i don't have to necessarily come to the party with these little things that they do and don't like to do um do you obviously if you if you perceive it to be a benefit in relaxation things like that, do you do you let it be part of their day-to-day nutrition or what's your actual take on it with what you do with your clientele
3: um, I'm kind of like kind of like you Rodden, but without yeah. having to drop the hammer that much. <laughs> yeah. Most of my clients that come to me are trainers yeah. looking to maximize their physique and look okay. the best that they can or professional athletes. Yeah. So these people really aren't having alcohol anyways. The pro athletes will in between important events, you know, like it, during the off season they'll have alcohol more, but it's not enough to meaningfully impact the big picture of things. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't had to. I haven't had a client in a long time that would warrant the allotment of alcohol daily because it's just simply not the population that I work with. Like right now, for example, I'm getting Michael Bisping ready for his fight against Anderson Silva coming up up real soon now. Mm. And there's going to be no alcohol, of course, during that point because we're seven weeks out right now. We have to be 185.0 on weigh in day yeah, yeah, and we yeah, need right. to be performing bang on everything so that's really important so I don't have to tell him not to drink he's not going yeah. to mm. you know it's just it's a situation that's that doesn't typically come across me much anymore okay. but given the scenario I wouldn't see a problem with a few drinks a week
1: okay so for our general pop uh, coaches and their and listeners that are fall into that general uh, population demographic so you know, you would advocate. You know, a few times a week, you could have have a glass or two, and it's not going to be too detrimental in the overall scheme of things.
3: Yeah, yeah. Preferably red wine.
1: Preferably red wine, or red wine oh, diluted in vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: That's the Australian coming out in New Year's. Well, yeah, old yeah, yeah. habits. Back oh, you day. don't
0: want to see Rodden on a couple of scotches. It gets mate. very Look loose. Look out, ladies. He, he starts wandering around pulling up skirts. <laughs> and then yeah.
1: the, the bouncers is usually, are, uh, it's okay, mate, I'm leaving. It's fine. <laughs> and then he'll
0: go out and vomit. Yes. And then he'll have the kebab. Yes. Okay. We should
3: all do a podcast like that. Yeah, okay. Just hop on and start talking yeah. protein. Oh, that'll, loose. Be,
0: that'll be the restricted podcast yes. for yes. 2017. Oh, All right, Dan. Well, I think that wraps it up very nicely there. Fiber, water, and alcohol squared away. That's all of the macronutrients. That's the overview of nutrition. Mate, I think you've done a wonderful job explaining this and putting it into layman's terms. It's not easy, but it rolls very nicely for you, mate. So we we really do appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's been a blast.
1: No problem. We'll we'll get you back on the program soon with a a whole new uh, list of topics we're going to cover for our listeners. So really looking forward to that. Really milking the the Dan Garner relationship for all it's worth. (laughs) And uh,
0: once again for our listener, keep an eye out for the online certification, its own unique platform of online delivery, its engineered nutrition systems, and anything else before that comes out in April, you can contact Dan, Dan Garner Strength Coach and Nutrition Specialist
3: via Facebook.
0: Yep. Thanks, Dan.
1: Thanks, Dan. Talk to you soon, mate.
3: For sure. Thanks, guys. Well, oh, there he
0: was, Rawdon. The uh, final segment from Dan Garner. It's been a fantastic series, and that won't be the last of him. We'll get no. him back on. We've got another thing cooked up, another little
1: topic. That's the uh, recovery and well, uh, protocols might, and nutrition, yeah. and we'll
0: do a whole uh, recovery series with Dan, which I think would yeah. be fascinating. Because that's the whole—that's the name of the game.
1: Yeah, you know the 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 magic of hypertrophy is uh, training hard enough with a frequency, and intensity uh, at a right level that you can actually recover, recover from, from. Exactly. Yeah. So recovery is massive in. In regards to uh, hypertrophy and body
0: composition, Mm, so mm.
1: that'd be really interesting. I'm pen and paper out with that
0: one for me. I think absolutely. Uh, Paul Carter, I mean, he's alluded to those things. He was talking about the basically the sympathetic nervous system and how. Imagine if you were uh, walking around the street, getting into street fights all day, how fried you. Your yep. nervous system would be mm, how, mm. how anxious and mm. how, how de- drained you well, would that's be.
1: That's how I exist in uh, when I would come here in the morning, all the way to the program.
0: But each time you get yourself up to do a big set or a big squat, it's basically tapping punch into on. The, to the, <laughs> the same to punch system. On. Punch on, yep, mate. Just to wrap up part one that he did speak about, I guess from his extended fat loss process, he had a few phases, but basically yeah. he switched from a, a moderate fat, moderate carb diet into a high carb, low fat diet. He switched all of his carbs to low GI. Mm. I think there might have still been a little bit of cereal in there, but he, he went from oh, the, the, the cocoa, cocoa puffs to the rice puffs. So,
4: yeah, <laughs> so really. A, uh, a big shift.
0: Yeah, stepping um, it up. Uh, he kept the calories the same, but he increased his training frequency. So basically, if we sort of hypothesise about what's mm. actually happened, there. obviously he's increased his training frequency, so calorie expenditure would be greater. Yep. He's moved to more whole foods and lower GI foods, so the mm. actual thermic effect of all the foods that he's eating would come at a greater cost. He'd probably burn a few more calories there.
1: Uh-huh. But essentially, I mean, the calories are the same, sure, but his energy expenditure's increase. increased, so I mean, it is essentially a yeah. calorie
0: deficit. Okay, mate, well, you're just about to ask Paul Carter about his uh, systems for hypertrophy.
1: So while, while we're tipping our toes into the hypertrophy, because a lot of our listeners would be interested in that, let's delve a little more deeply into your uh, go-tos for hypertrophy these days.
5: We know anecdotally we've seen this, and we've seen it through your studies, that the more often you train, the more hypertrophy you're going to end up with. So I have a really easy system. It, it's You have three things in training. You have volume, you have intensity, and you have frequency. Uh, pick two... And go high with, and the other one's got to be down regulated. So if you want growth, especially growing for hypertrophy, you want to up your frequency and your volume, which means you're going to have to down regulate your intensity. Yes. Of mm. intensity, I'm talking about weight on the bar. Weight on the bar. Yep.
1: So you mentioned the three variables there. Do you want to expand a little on that and give give our listener a little bit of insight into um, the way you like to do things?
5: Yeah. So okay, so you still want to use your comp. One of the biggest things that changed around in the last year that I really figured out was moving your now everybody always talks about big compound movements yep. and big compound movements you need and yes you do need to use big compound movements for growth the, the the problem is is what i just talked about is the recovery curve so if you want to train often if you want to use a lot of volume then you have to back back off on the amount of weight that you're going to use so what yep. i found that became really efficient um, was actually pre-fatiguing things with single joint movements or isolation exercises before I've been gone. Uh, and I do my big movements last and I do very little volume on my big movements. So.
1: Is yeah, um, that like what you were talking about at the start with the deadlift, So you did the triples uh, at the end of the workout once you're the you are done At the end of the workout. Wow, yeah.
5: So like the workout started off with, I think it was like eight really, eight, eight working sets of like shrugs. And then I think it was maybe, Five or six working sets of low cable rows and then like chin ups and then like dumbbell rows and then I would deadlift. So by the time that you get to dead, here's the thing a lot of people don't realize because when they just see the video, like I have to talk myself into deadlifting by that point. Yeah. Like I'm so, I'm already, I'm, I'm so fatigued at that point. I actually have to talk myself into deadlifting by the time I get there. By the time one leg workout that I have that I rotate through is I start off with between 500 and 700 lunges. <laughs> and it's just, just body weight only. And you 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 know, you feel good. Well, that was one of the, the other things I've noticed. The past year. my joints feel better than ever. So I'll start off with something as something as lunges. But I'll do lunges for, it'll take half an hour to sometimes 40 minutes to get all the lunges. I don't even count how many are they anymore. I'll just do them and do them wow. and do them. Then from there, I'll do leg curls and leg extensions before I finish with like hack squats or leg press or squats or whatever. So, and even on the leg curls, I'll do drop sets, rest pause, and same thing for legs. So by the time that you get to your squats or your hack squats or leg press or whatever you're doing, there's just not a lot of weight that's going on the ball.
1: Okay. So by design, and then you're still obviously, you know, one of the key fundamentals for hypertrophy is... is Fundamentally exhausting all the uh, uh, muscle fibers uh, in, in, in yeah, every tension, way possible. The
5: yeah. tension, the tension you want as much tension as possible. The other thing a lot of people do, do not realize why I don't espouse like compound, like compound movement as like king be all anymore, like it used to, is because depending on what you're trying to work, if you have a weak area, a lot of people don't understand a lot of times that that area is weak. Is, is, well there's two reasons, either because it, it's mechanically weak, in other words, it literally is like a weak body part, like the muscle itself is not very strong. But then the second factor is because it, you don't activate it properly. Yeah. So compound movement,
2: then what's gonna happen
5: is, on your compound movements, your stronger, more dominant muscle groups, whatever you're used to using for that movement, are going to take over, yes. over and over and over again. you don't learn how to get a particular muscle activated and get it to where it will contract and get fired during a movement, then the compound movements become kind of, you know, kind of useless in terms of bringing it up. So somebody like, well, I have a a weak chest and like really big delts, so I'm going to do a lot of like incline press and bench press. No, you you need to actually, you need to actually take your shoulders out as much as possible and make it effectively work right. So you start with, that I try to use a movement that, gosh, we're going to get really complicated here. So, uh-huh. in, move, in this scenario, okay, well, in this scenario, you, you wanted the first movement because movement sequencing is a big deal and a lot of people don't think about that. Is the where the movements are coming in. So, I don't do it haphazardly. So, the first movement, I try to put the muscle where it's in the shortest, where the muscle can shorten the most against resistance at the top of the movement. I know that sounds complicated, but I'll give you an example so that way we can narrow this down. So, in a leg curl, for example, if you're doing a leg curl, you make sure your hips are pressed into the pad really well, and you do the leg curl. and get the hamstrings are really shorten at the top. The resistance is going to be the most Mm -hmm. where at the top of the movement. So now you have resistance, the most resistance at the top part of the concentric portion of the movement, where the muscle is in a shortened position. Okay okay it's
0: like a peak contraction
5: correct correct so you're going to usually start with one of those so all depending on muscle groups. like for example bicep could be different because um you might pick something with a with a resistance curve where it's in the mid-range like to start off like a barbell curl okay but you always i'll always put my stretch movement second so if there's in other words, for really like, say it's hamstrings you're going to start off with leg curls and then the next movement might be Romanian uh, deadlifts, yep. or it could be good mornings yep. because those put the hamstrings in a loaded stretch position and I always want the muscle group to be have already become very activated before I put it in a stretch position okay mm-hmm. so then lastly that's when you move on to your compound, the compound. now now, not only is the muscle fatigue, but it's been very activated.
0: Okay. Yeah, you must have to put quite a lot of thought into writing an actual program.
5: Yeah, depending on the person. So, um, you know, when I'm working with, like, pros and stuff, I have to really break down, like, like you know, not only how they've been training. So you have to look at, you know, you have to look at videos. If it happens, you know, what if their training been looking like? Like, what have you been doing? Yep. And then you have to understand from uh, an anatomy standpoint that this guy is weak in a particular area. Is it because of how he performs those movements, or is it because of what movements he is performing? Because there's two different. There, those are two very different things. Yeah. Because depending on how much adduction or abduction your elbows have, say during a row or a pull down or whatever. It could be a very simple change in the mechanics of how the joints are moving. So, um, I mean, there's just yeah, it can become it, it can become complex. John always like to say this. He gets pissed off and people say, "Oh, just just do some basic stuff, do some basic stuff." And he's <laughs> like, "No, like he's like if you really want to get to like another level, it becomes a little more complex."
1: Okay, so obviously the movements are, are key and uh, the sequencing. You mentioned uh, volume and frequency. What about the frequency? So, say you did, uh, like yesterday, you uh, you did back. When would you see? When would you hit back again? Like in a seven-day period, what's what's your frequency per body part?
5: I don't have. It's kind of funny you ask that. I can kind of tell you this: a body part gets hit. This is how it usually works: twice one week, and then one time the next week.
1: Okay. Okay. And the one time the next week, that would be more volume in that one workout, and then the same amount of volume in two workouts uh, on the week in between?
5: Um, I go, honestly, I go by by how I feel on the day. Yep. I, I okay. try to do a pretty good job of listening. So you guys have probably had this before. This happens to me all the time. I get to the gym and I'm like, boy, I feel like shit today. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> and then three or four sets into the workout, I feel amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah.
5: So, um, you know, on those days, then I know I may be doing more work um, if I go in, and this has happened before, where I go in feeling good, uh, right. but then as I'm training, I just, I feel kind of off. Um, I'll just get some work in and leave. So I, I try to pay more attention now, used to about that instinctive training principle, but I really just try to, to listen to, like, what my body is telling me about training that day. That That's another thing that I've really learned, I've gotten smart about, is, for example, when I was doing deadlifts the other day, is the way that my mind used to work i was having such a good day i was like god go ahead and go to 6:35." but i was like no if you yeah. just go ahead and do the, the you know the plan tonight was to get a couple of triples in at 585 so i'm just gonna stay there yeah and i've done a much better job of not letting my ego take over um, I like, I see guys like, you know, talk about, well, I'm growing the train, like, I'm training to grow, and then I see them doing stuff like one rep maxes in the gym. I'm like, I have no idea what you're doing. Like, I don't, like, I don't, what what the fuck are you doing? It's like, it's, it's like a guy, you know, getting really good at riding a 10 speed thing, preparing for Formula One race car driving. I mean, you know, one has nothing to do with the other.
1: Yeah. Do you think the um, tearing your uh, pick? had was a bit of a 41 this year you know I've got to sort of look after the body a little bit does that sort of force you to keep a, a, a lid on things so to speak
5: yeah definitely and I think that's the that's a, the other thing is, is that um that eventually becomes what what slows you down and injury yeah. after injury after yeah. injury and the pack thing was such a freak accident I mean I've trained you know 26 years now i've never even like had a like a really effect a strain so for it just for it to tear like that was really really strange mm. um i mean i've incline press almost 500 pounds so obviously like my but i mean i'm very shoulder dominant i mean I'm, my shoulders are very strong so um i think for it very to big. go like that was just um it was just, but it, I do, it does stay in the back of my mind because I'm like, okay, you know, um, gosh, I. my whole principle when I wrote base building was around using sub-maximal pounds to build strength and volume, and it works very well, and you don't have to beat the shit out of yourself, and then you have to remind yourself of those things from time to time to say, okay, I don't really have to slap a million pounds on the part of it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Paul, just wondering about, you know, you've mentioned the uh, the nervous system a couple of times and the importance of nervous system recovery. Is there anything that you're doing, you know, outside of the gym and obviously monitoring volume and the load you're lifting to help support the nervous system? You know,
5: honestly, I think the, the, there's a few things that you can do, uh, and, and I and again I we come out in my uh, article, and you guys will probably laugh at some of these things. Uh, one thing is laugh laugh a lot. Uh, I'm serious. Go home. <laughs> and watch some stand-up comedy, and I, I stumbled upon this one night, people talk about it, but they don't actually apply it, and when you apply it, you actually be like, wow. So I had a really bad day, and I came home that night, and I ended up watching this um, stand-up <laughs> comedian who was uh, really, really offensive, like his whole thing was to be as offensive as possible. I hadn't laughed that hard in forever, and like it changed my entire evening.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. And,
5: uh, he's actually, he got, he lost his job, um, in the, he had a show here in the United States and his name is Anthony Jesselnick and he made fun of the guy that got eaten by the shark over in New
0: Zealand. You guys remember this? <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. Man, there's people getting eaten by sharks every week out here.
5: Yeah, so, well, anyway, he made fun of a guy that, that got eaten by a shark and he had what he called a shark party on his show. <laughs> and, uh... But he made some of the most, like, everything he said was super, super offensive. And, like, that stuff does that. Like, I love when people get offended by stuff because I think it shows a very weak amount of character on their part. Yeah. Especially when it's just, you know, when it's a comedian and he's doing it on purpose and you let it affect you. Like, that shit is hilarious to me.
1: <laughs> okay, so so laughing and... and, uh... and I, I think it's one of them. So, I,
5: honestly, one thing I do is I'll watch... Um, I actually, believe it or not, I, I watch stand-up comedy or I watch funny
0: movies, okay. and
5: you'll be surprised Like if you oh. laugh for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, like
0: how different you actually feel. Oh yeah. yeah, the yeah. feel. The, the feel physiology really totally changes, yeah. I get Absolutely.
5: that. Absolutely. So think about how you're always different. You're having a bad day, your buddy picks you up, you sit in the next, you go somewhere to the, the pub or whatever, and you laugh for 45 minutes or an hour, you feel like a different person.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
5: Okay. well a huge part of releasing those endorphins and, and getting that parasympathetic nervous system back to where you're relaxed and where you're calm yep. yeah. um, the other thing is people have this is is uh <laughs> I don't have anybody to cuddle with for cuddling so what I did is I just started planning homeless people and I would just cuddle with homeless people and um, oh you did not no of course yeah I just got cuddled with homeless people <laughs> no I didn't cuddle with homeless people okay. <laughs> but um, believe it or not, Oxytocin, it gets released when you when you hug people, really? Mm, okay. It, yeah, and oxytocin is it's a huge huge uh, stress reliever. Wow. So, and the way your body releases that is just through hugging um, or cuddling, and it, it helps release the oxytocin. And oxytocin is one of the main hormones your body releases that that helps you calm down. And and again, once again. Get that parasympathetic nervous system back to being fine.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah.
5: So now here's now here's something because Rodney, you do you have you have your dog and you yep. love your dog. Yep, yep, yep. And now for our listeners, you got a
1: you got a lovely pooch as well.
5: Yeah, I do. Now here's something that don't, don't get teary eyed. I actually found this out on um, <laughs> a show I watched about dogs. Dogs know how to release oxytocin too. So when your dog. They actually they did this through like through when they were testing dogs and they were looking at like dog how dogs hormones react to certain things. When your dog sits down, you ever have your dog sit down and they just stare at you like they want something, but they're just staring at you. Yeah. Yes. That's how dogs actually hug you. That's nice. Oh, I see. And a, and they actually found out when a dog actually sits down with his owner and stares at his owner. it's how a dog is hugging you. That's how is <laughs> That's awesome. The like, dog hugs you by, by looking at you, and I remember I was watching it that night. Man, I was like almost started crying. I was like, because I had this edible master for 11 years named Dozer, and he used to do that to me like all the time. Yes. He would sit down and just stare at me, <laughs> and like, I'd be like, well, You want to go outside? <laughs> and he, anything you know, do you like, you want for me? To, yeah, and he was literally just I just wanted
0: me. to give you a hug. Dude, I, gorgeous, just, I just started fucking crying. I was like, I remember
5: how much he used to do that. and mm, okay. um, He was literally just being like, hey, like I love you, buddy. And that was like, his way of doing that. So yeah. so when Jada yeah. does that to you, you know she's <laughs> just telling you she loves you. Yeah,
1: does it all yeah. the time. It's
0: usually she looks at you with a piece of the couch in her mouth. Well, mate, I, I will be loading up a pick later today. She did uh, maul it this morning. So, yeah, she's back to her old ways. Standard. Standard. <laughs> Uh, you can have a giggle like at so that one got, uh, yeah. laughing and hugging anything yeah. else
1: there mate yeah the other one
5: was uh, was EMA at night so you, so magnesium yep. at night really good for helping to you get your body to relax If you can't get your mind and your body to relax that's a big thing at night especially like myself have trouble sleeping is it's not always about you, your body can be exhausted, but my mind is often just yeah. constantly like in a turned on state. Thinking about stuff, you, you've got to get your mind to get into that relaxed mode. Yeah. So I really found um, something called natural calm to have here and it's in a powder. Mm-hmm. And if you if you crush up a couple of it and put in there, it works really well. <laughs> <laughs> What's it fun can do? It. You can okay. do it with Valium, too. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs>
1: right, right. Got it. I Valium just, check. I'm
5: mo- I am mostly kidding about the it, but I have really done it with Valium. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't doubt that. Uh,
1: yeah. All right.
5: So, I yeah. So, if you go with the uh, TMA mag- Z- supplement, if you get a really good one. They really do work. They help you calm you down at night and get yep. you into that, that relaxed state. So, what I recommend to guys is, you know, spend it, you know, your evening – uh, watch something you know makes you laugh or find something that makes you laugh and then spend the next part of your evening you know take some ZMA or something and get away from your, your laptop or your phone or whatever yeah. and open a book um, or you know, do something that helps get your body into a relaxed state
1: yeah okay
5: and don't stay up all fucking hours of the night like I do
1: yes yeah mine's always racing mate but you write some really good stuff so we thank you for that Oh, appreciate it. Okay, uh, I, I did want to also go through, uh, I mean, we covered hypertrophy. That, that's awesome with um, the nervous system, great stuff there. I did want to go into the, you know, what, because I guess one of the main things you're, uh, no, not one of the main things, you're famous for all sorts of things, but, but you know, obviously you mentioned your heavy lifting and um, power powerlifting, things like that. I, I did want to cover, you know, your, your, your basics for, for strength development, whether there was any you know, your key fundamental for um, for strength development there.
5: The stuff on strength, I mean, I've covered so many times for, for a lot of guys, you know, narrow it down to the lifts that you really want to get strong on. Okay. Uh, and be very cognizant of the musculature, the areas that you're weak in, and make sure to address those uh, very thoroughly. Uh, Ed and I talked about a lot when we were out there, you know, um yeah. it, you have to be able to assess. First off, number one, your technique has to be correct. So no matter what, like if your technique is off, it doesn't matter what else you're doing to help yourself. Things are not going to get better. Mm,
1: okay, so, so technique fundamental.
5: Yeah, technique. Number number one, technique has to be has to be perfect for your leverages. That's the key for your leverage. Yeah. Yes. So well, that's that's the number one. And once you once you get your technique dialed in, then you have to figure out at figuring at what. What portion of the lift that you're weakest in Because that's, if your technique is perfect Then if you're Slow or weak in a, in a particular Range of motion during the lift Then you have to assess What muscle group is weak During that portion of the lift And that's where you kind of start fidgeting With okay, what are the, what are the Support I need to do to bring up Those portions muscularly So that way um, I can eliminate the Weak point in the lift
1: Yes. Interesting. So, I guess we you, you work on essentially uh, the techniques of the nervous system's in check, and then you, you can actually, once technique is on point, you can actually break the movement down and 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 uh, critique it, find out where you're weak. Then you go away and address those um, uh, those parts, and then of course you're a sum of all all the body parts, parts and then yes. your lift will go up.
5: Yeah. Like, for example. The guy, the guy's technique is really good, but he's weak off the floor in the deadlift. I'm gonna know that it's his knee extensors, his his, his quads are weak because you're the, you're gonna have uh, knee extension and hip extension in, in the deadlift. So yeah. the hip extension doesn't happen until the top third, top you know, top half of, of the movement. So when you're breaking off the floor, if you're slow off the floor, it's gonna be key because um, you have weak quads. So now we know we need. To, that's why a lot of guys go, "Hey, when I bring my front squad up, my my speed off or my deadlift came up." Well, mm. that's because you made your quad strong.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: So yeah, that, that's very refreshing. I mean, you usually ask someone a, a question about strength and they'll go into a periodization technique or, yeah. or something of that nature. But at, at this fundamental level, you can only you can only ever be as strong as the weakest, weakest link, link. You know. Yeah, good one, man. So I,
5: absolutely. I mean, it, you. I can dial you up a a program where from a from a peaking standpoint you may hit a personal best but it it could be 50 pounds off what you could have been hitting if something in your technique was better or if you're able to break your your basically your movements down and see what what muscle muscle is weak during the movement that's holding
0: you back yeah
1: okay so for our for our listeners that do um are interested in the strength game you know fundamentally get someone that's good at breaking down technique because i think the point that you made there paul was it's going to be a little different for everyone because we're all biomechanically a little bit different lever lengths and and and, and things like that and then once you've isolated uh where you're weakest then you can go away and uh, design a program that um actually targets those uh those muscles individually and then i suppose you can go into more of that isolation type stuff that that, that's um yeah, well, I'll give,
5: so I'll give you a great example of this. I had a deadlifter came to me a couple of years ago as having lockout problems. Really strong off the floor, just wait to shoot up off the floor. And this was a guy who was um, close to a 400 kilo deadlifter. Oh wow. So, so, but his his lockout was terrible. So um, he was always struggling with his lockout. And he sent me one video. and I was like, look at your feet. And he's like, "What about them?" I'm like, "Your toes are pointed straight ahead." And he's like, "So?" I'm like, "Well, your lockout sucks because your glutes can't you can't get full you can't get hip extension fast enough because in in order to get full gluteal contraction, you have to have external rotation in the hips, and you can't get external rotation in the hips unless you have pronation of the toes." Mm. So I told him, I said, "Point your toes out like one inch." I said, "And send me another video." The next week, his lockout was like completely fixed. Like all, all he had to do was turn his toes out one inch. He had been spending all these months trying to do all this lockout work. And it wasn't yeah. lockout. Well, it was never going to fix it because he had a literally something in the
0: kinetic chain wasn't lined up properly. Yeah. Yep. And Paul, if you're, I mean, you do a, a lot of work with your clients online. So I'm, I'm assuming if people did want to work with you and have, uh, have you break down a lift or whatever, there's a lot of um, sending videos back and forth that goes on.
5: Yeah, if a guy, if, if I'm working with someone on hypertrophy, I, I mean, I, I don't always need videos unless it's um, some particular lift he's never seen before. I, I just need to see pictures so I can see what we need to focus on. Yep. And then I'll have him send me videos of certain lifts I, I want to see how he performs them. If it's a strength-based athlete, then yes, I have to look at his, his yeah, how he 15. can lift him break out.
0: And mate, how, if anyone is interested in getting in contact with you, what's the what's the best method?
5: All you have to do is send an email to uh, paul at lift-run-bang.com.
0: Carter, there he was. Uh, big fella. Interesting when he was talking about his hypertrophy, Root, he's moved away a little bit from the big compounds, so you can keep going with that training frequency and mm. for the, the benefits of the nervous system and everything, which I thought was uh, interesting. Yeah, Israel Tail,
1: um, I've spent a bit of time with him, and um, in regards to hypertrophy, you know, he, I think... Uh, You know, the bulk of your work should be between 60 and uh, 75 percent of your one RM for hypertrophy. I think it's around those numbers. So yeah, for hypertrophy, he doesn't really like to go up into those um, Mm. really low reps. I still do with my clientele,
0: but um, but the research suggests otherwise. And uh, funny techniques about uh, relaxing and chilling out. Just you know, does the jada stare lovingly into your eyes, mate? mate?
1: Now uh, I'll have to uh, pay close attention. She's actually giving yeah. you a hug. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Very Lovely. nice,
0: very nice. Uh, that has been the podcast. Thanks for listening to it. Arnold Classic, mate, that's done for another year, so you've got a, a, a year to uh, <laughs> replenish the adrenal glands. Yep, yep. We'll uh, keep in contact with you guys via the email if you'd like to send us in anything, a podcast at iconph.com.au, and uh, we'll see you again soon. See you then, Tommy.